And welcome to our Sounding Off with Kim Munson podcast. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And as you know, we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And I'm thrilled to have on the line with me, Jen Gibbons. Uh, She is a a concerned parent. She is with the Cherry Creek Parents Advocacy Network. And uh, Jameson Dion, he is a concerned citizen. And uh, they were my featured guests on uh, July 18th in our second hour and realized that we need to talk more about this. We were talking about the teachers' unions. So, Jen Gibbons, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. Hi, Kim. Thanks for having me. And, Jameson, great to have you as well. Hey, Kim. I appreciate uh, the invitation. Okay, so, Jen, let's start with you. Tell me, uh, tell our listeners about your journey, how you ended up where you are right now, and your concern uh, regarding the teachers' unions and their control of curriculum, control of our schools. Uh, What's your journey? So, I have four kids, um, and my my um, oldest is 22 and my youngest is 16. Um, and they've all gone through the Cherry Creek school system. Um, but, but somewhere along the way, um, and that's another story to be talked about uh, at another time, I started a charter school, just seeing a need in Cherry Creek. Um, the union came out strong for their charter school, wearing their matching t-shirts that said, protect this house. You know, they were very much about uh, not wanting to have a charter school. It was a it was a it was a tough road we had to take Cherry Creek School District to the State Board of Education to remand their decision to they they denied our charter in the first place and then um, we had to take him to the state board to have that decision remanded and the union was there every step of the way um, you know trying to in, intimidate teachers telling teachers that they would lose their jobs if this charter school would 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 be open. And, um, you know, they're just kind of an intimidating force. And then it was quiet for a while. And then in 2021, I ran for school board. And then I had the full force of the union in my face again. Mm. (laughs) Um, They were in, they tried to intimidate. They wore their t-shirts. They came to back to school nights. I mean, they're just, they, they just really are bullies in my personal my personal experience is that they are bullies. They bullied me and they targeted my family. Um, so after they, in Cherry Creek School District, we found that they, during Black History Month, and I can talk about this in more detail, um, but they tried to push a Black Lives Matter curriculum during a Black Lives Matter week, which is just not okay. It's pushing a very activist, radical agenda and, um, and that was that was part of the reason we saw that we needed to form a group called the Cherry Creek Parent Advocacy Network. And that we have a website um, on cherrycreekparents.org that people can look at this full curriculum where children would be asked to pledge allegiance to Black Lives Matter and find where they lay on a, on oppression of power wheel. So if you were a white male, you'd be in the, the highest on the power wheel. But if you were... Um, an overweight uh, black lesbian, you would be the very lowest on the oppression wheel. So, you know, that's just not appropriate for school. When it's just so controversial, um, the union very much pushes a one-side agenda. Um, So I'm glad that I'm here today with you talking about it because people really need to know 
how blatantly obvious they are, and they, they don't try to hide it. You know, they, they definitely are pushing a radical activist leftist agenda, and they need to be stopped. So so that's, that's my journey. Okay. Well, thank you. And uh, I think one of the uh, silver linings of the China virus COVID-19 reaction disruption is that parents... Uh, saw uh, curriculum and, and saw their kids falling behind in their education. And uh, so I think that that is a, a bit of a silver lining uh, to all this, Jen. Mm-hmm. Well, and and another thing, too, with with COVID, um, the, the CDC colluded with the teachers union and they they uh, manipulated data and in order to keep kids home um, to accommodate the union. The, the union's input. They really, the union really pushed and colluded with the CDC to keep kids home. It so, is, uh, it's, uh, it's unbelievable what where we are right now. Uh, Jameson Dion, it is great to have you on the line as well, and uh, you are a concerned citizen. Tell us your journey to be at this point now. Yes, Kevin. Thank you for having me on. Um, my wife and I's story is a little bit different than Jennifer's. Uh, the funny thing is we, we discovered a lot of the same things along the way, but my wife and I don't have children. Uh, we were living in Arvada um, in, uh, in Jefferson County, and during COVID, we made the decision to move up to Teller County. It's a more conservative county. It was less restrictive with a lot of the COVID restrictions, uh, and we both work from home. So we got up here, and we got a little bit more involved in local politics. We decided to support conservative school board members that were running for four of the five board positions in our local school district. We did that partly because we're kind of planning for the future. You know, we're discussing starting a family, and the school district up here really wasn't performing like a lot of the schools from a scholastic standpoint uh, that that other schools in the state were. So we had fundraisers, we had some meet and greets for our conservative school board members, and we ended up getting them elected. And I, I'm newer in my discovery process and my journey than Jennifer, but I discovered very quickly that there was another force that was on the other side of the aisle that was very powerful, very loud, and very organized that started fighting us. So we started to see in school board meetings that people were showing up with the same colored shirts, with posters, and it, there was a theme to each meeting, uh, protest theme. You know, one meeting you would have, uh, you know, teachers using an email that they had. Uh, acquired from the conservatives through Cora and had kind of twisted the meaning of that email uh, to accuse them of going after teachers. So one meeting, they all had posters that said, you know, we are not the enemy. Um, They had another meeting or another theme to another meeting where they had accused one of the board members of being a bigot and saying negative things about kids with autism um, and uh, Chinese kids. And, And it was totally twisted if you look at what it was actually said. It's um, but we, so we started, we started digging in to fight because we realized that, that our folks that we supported and that we're going to accomplish good things in the, the district, um, were under fire. So I submitted 35, uh, CORA requests for those that don't know, that's, uh, that's essentially the Colorado equivalent of the freedom of information request. Um, and I discovered very quickly that the school union was using the school server for all of their emails. I believe they did that for recruitment purposes and, and easier communication, easier access to the rest of the staff. But uh, I acquired a lot of information. It was quite interesting. And what would you say was um, 
maybe a, the big takeaway from that as you uh, got this in, information, uh, Jameson? Well, the first thing that, that I identified was the coordination in terms of the disruption efforts. We had an email from who a gentleman at the time was the vice president of the Woodland Park Education Association. That's, the, that's our local chapter of the National Education Association. And he had sent a email to a, a fellow union member answering some questions. And in it, he had talked about how they were actively pursuing disruption efforts with the PPEA. That's the Pikes Peak Education Association or the kind of Colorado Springs chapter of the NEA. So it was really the coordinated disruption that I came across first. And then, you know, the way these core requests, and I, I know Jennifer has kind of gone down this road as well. But the way that they, they seem to work is you start to come across little nuggets as you're, you're sending in these requests. And then you kind of refine your search terms and, and you narrow in different, you know, different rabbit holes you go down with these emails. So uh, one of the things I had quoted a lot of the, the buzzwords that have been really relevant over the last couple of years, 1619 Project, CRT, and that sort of thing. And um, all the emails that started coming back you started to see that that a lot of the same folks were involved in these really um, leftist kind of indoctrination areas that they're pushing in our school district. And this is in Teller County. Yeah, and just to just to clarify, it's like you know Jennifer and I are in very different places. I mean, you know Cherry Creek uh, obviously is is very close to Denver and, and has a very different uh, voting uh, demographic than we do. Uh, we were, I believe, the most conservative county in Colorado. Uh, last presidential election, um, our county voted 67% in favor of Trump. So it's, it's really interesting to see these things happening, even in a conservative area, um, without the knowledge, really, of, of parents or, or anything. It's all done in secret within the district. And that is something that is of, of great concern to me. I've heard that there's been uh, different uh, meetings, agendas, where kids have been told, don't tell your parents. Uh, Jen, have you heard anything like that happening at Cherry, in the Cherry Creek School District? You know, anecdotally, and the Cherry Creek School District is so big, and with the Cherry Creek Parent Advocacy Network, we are trying to gather those stories. There are very disturbing stories about um, teachers encouraging children to live their true selves. And, you know, if you don't like the sound of your own voice, maybe you are transgender, maybe you try it out. The union does actively push those agendas. And, it, you know, it's, it's pretty well documented, too. It's, it's shocking that in a school district and in a state like Colorado, where um, 50% or less of our kids at third grade are at reading level, proficient or above, it's disturbing that the union would push agendas anything other than math, reading, science. You know, and when controversial subjects are addressed in school, according to Cherry Creek School District's own policies, they need to be age appropriate, curriculum relevant, and show both sides of the story. Otherwise, in Cherry Creek's own board documents, in the board documents, the, their own policies that if if those controversial subjects are not addressed with those three criteria, that is considered indoctrination. Yet, Cherry Creek wants to spend a whole week of taking away valuable instructional minutes and talk about Black Lives Matter, which is an, a, a very controversial subject. 
so I, I've actually talked to people. Um, there's a fellow named Brian McKinney who um, very much is outspoken at the board meetings. Um, he's very much in uh, in cahoots with the union. He he's called my group racist, um, elitist, white supremacist, um, and. And when I told him that I consider Black Lives Matter to be controversial, his argument was, well, what about the Holocaust? What two sides are there? Do you do those, you know, the Holocaust, is that a controversial subject? It's just so funny, their arguments, they don't hold water, but they hold to them. And, you know, the the union is very much united and leftist. If you look at the way they spend their money, 99% of their money goes to... um, uh, leftist agenda. Le- uh, um, I know you don't like me to say Democrat, <laughs> Democrat uh, uh, politicians and their causes. And you know the other one percent, I would assume, would go to um, a candidate like Kelly Bates, who uh, I ran against, and she's Republican. And I did I did finger quotes when I said Republican because she is very much all about equity. And equity is a is a nice word. But it's the buzzword, yeah. It's it's the buzzword that they hide a bunch yeah. of other stuff. And just to clarify, is um, I no longer call them democratic. I call them Democrats because there's nothing democratic about that. And I really think mm-hmm. it's important this um, battle of the narrative. These little things matter. But I did not realize that your uh, your opponent uh, again air quotes Republican because Republican we are about. Uh, all men are created equal. Equity is that word, and, and it's based with a Marxist theory that uh, equity of outcomes, and that is antithetical to to the American idea for sure. Um, Jameson, why don't you jump in here then as well? I find this astounding, uh, what Jen just said, that less than 50% of our, our third graders are proficient in math or reading. And you'd mentioned that you'd gotten many of these nuggets of information via your um, request for information. And gosh, it sure seems to me like uh, a teacher would be thinking, how can I help my students succeed instead of sending each other emails about how can we go and disrupt the school board meeting? Your thoughts, Jameson? Well, I think you know, one of the things that we've, or you know, I have, have discovered over the last you know, several months is that we've got two very different schools of thought in terms of how education should be approached. And I'm of the belief, and I think most people that are of a conservative mindset are of the belief that parents uh, have the responsibility to raise their children. That's their right. Those are their children. And what I've really come up against is this whole other school of thought of people that believe that those aren't your children, those are the state's children. And they think that their upbringing and what they're taught to believe is uh, falls within their area. And they have fought tooth and nail in every single area that we've tried to um, get transparency or when we've come across things that, that don't look right. Um, for example, one of the things I came across was uh, uh, the coming out handbook. And I, uh, some of the, the search terms had come across this email where I believe it's a dean of education, I forget what her title is, had broadcasted an email uh, to a select group of teachers and staff in the high school um, sharing a, a PDF that was called the coming out handbook. And it's, it's from the Logan Project. 
and it basically is is framed in a way it seems to, to communicate to uh, children that it's okay to question your gender. It's okay to question your gender at any age. Uh, it's uh, it's totally natural to do so. There's no too young of an age to, to talk about gender. And then it also talks about sexuality. And it doesn't just dwell, delve into the area of homosexuality. It actually kind of almost jumps into this, this kind of vague, fluid, uh, transgender-oriented area where Hey, you might you might like girls today. You might like boys t- tomorrow. You might like non-binary kids the next day, and that's okay. And the scariest thing about these things, and this this follows the same theme of everything I've discovered, whether it be Black Lives Matter or critical race theory, uh, the 1619 Project, is the parents are not aware, and this whole group of people gets extremely offended at even the notion that parents should be aware that their students are being or their, their children are being exposed to this. It's, it's quite mind-blowing. Well, transparency uh, is so important. I've talked to a number of young parents uh, across the country, and the first and foremost is we need to know what this curriculum is. We need to know, we need to, everything needs to be transparent for not only parents, but community members as well, Who because these schools, these government-run schools, are, are living off of our tax dollars. So we have a right, we have a duty to know what's going on uh, regarding all of this curriculum. Agenda, don't you agree? Yes, well, yeah, union, yes, definitely, I absolutely agree. Um, the unions legally protected uh, the teachers to be censored from anything they say during sex education. That is, that is very frightening. And parents, the whole thing, like Jameson said, parents don't know. That's the whole purpose of our Cherry Creek Parent Advocacy Network is to let parents know. Because they take their kids to kindergarten and it's so cute and fun and they're learning and it's so great. And then they get handed at the age of 10 this Colorado Healthy healthy Kids. And that, that actually is something different from the union, but I'm sure, I'm sure the union has a place in it. And Kim, when you said, um, you know, that... That equity is about equity of outcome. The greatest equalizer, and we know this from history, and it's a great quote, and I can't remember who said it right now, but the greatest equalizer is education. And that's talking about the greatest equalizer among races and economic differences. If we want an equalizer, it's education. So why on earth would a group that is the teachers' union, where it should be kids first and not teachers first, um, why on earth would we spend any other time other than what we are lacking in, in a, in a state where, like I said, where our performance is so low? And we have um, these teacher, these, this teachers' union, and I'm not opposed to having a group collectively bargain for teachers. I think on the face of it, that's fine. But when that group has an agenda and a political agenda, um, that's where it goes wrong. And we know, and it's very well documented, too, we have the, the union in Douglas County reported on the Zoom call saying this is about control. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it is. And we have recorded, uh, you know, tweets and, and other places where the NEA and the, the national union said um, there's a couple of national unions, but we have uh, the NEA president, Becky Pringle, um, you know, she has her own agenda, and she talks about having power and control, and she calls abortion a fundamental freedom. 
um, and she called the Supreme Court radicalized. Like when we have these people um, controlling what what happens in our schools, that's political. And then when um, the the teachers, the the president of the other union, um, now I can't remember her name, Randy, I think it was. Weingarten, uh, I think it is. Yeah, Randy Weingarten said that we need to get politics out of schools. It's just so funny to me because they are the one who are actually actively pushing their political agenda in schools and wasting our instructional minutes. It, it is. Uh, it's rather remarkable. Jameson, I wanted to um, ask you about something that you said on this coming out handbook. Now, did did you find that? Is that um, was that to teachers in Teller County or was that when you lived up in Arvada? No, I didn't. I didn't do any of these uh, searches when I was in Jefferson County or Nevada. This is all Teller County. And uh, that email went to all Woodland Park School District. Not not to all of the teachers, but it went to teachers only in the Woodland Park School District. So the, my concern, Jameson, is I, I know there are many great teachers out there in the government-run schools. Um, and and do they know what's going on? Or, or I guess that's kind of a tough question because you can't say what somebody knows or, or doesn't know. But what, what do you think? I mean, I just can't quite understand how this is happening uh, because I know there's some really fine teachers out there that care deeply about kids' education. So I can, I can give you a little, a little bit of a story about this particular email to try to answer your question. So when I followed the bouncing ball back through some previous emails, there was an email where the same person that had distributed the, the coming out handbook had emailed all teachers and had asked for, te- for volunteers that would be interested in, um, I believe the way they referred to it as being a trusted adult for LGBTQ plus kids. And there was some back and forth between some of the folks that were on the email and one of them asked, well, what does that entail? And she said, you know, being willing to put up some LGBT uh, related material, posting it in your classroom, letting your students know that you're a trusted resource they could go to. And uh, so I believe that they had already kind of whittled down their, their trusted list of people that they wanted to broadcast this information out to. So when they finally did send out this coming out handbook, they had already, they're already sending it to people that were of like mind. Mm-hmm. And there are conservative teachers. I do know one of the conservative teachers. And uh, I had asked her, you know, were you aware of this? You know, it's, it's really interesting as, as a quote-unquote conservative that you would know about this and be okay with it you know what's your story and she said she had no clue um so at least in this case it seems to be that they kept the communication to a limited group of people and that you know a lot of the teachers were were left out in the dark so the thing that is of great concern is okay let's say you have your child a k through um six and of course, now you've, you've got, again, the leftists want to have um, um, government run preschool as well, which we should be absolutely terrified about it. First of all, they're pro abortion, but if a child does make it to this world, then they want to get their hands on them as fast as possible to indoctrinate them. And I know that seems very strong to say that, but from what I am watching, that's what I see. Uh, and uh, thinking about K through six, you can have 
say, so that's you know seven years, you can have six great teachers that, as Jameson mentioned, you know nothing, don't understand what is happening, but you get that one teacher that gets their hands on these kids and starts to indoctrinate them, and parents don't know about it, it is a big problem. And I've talked to many parents that have had an experience where they didn't realize what was going on and then you know suddenly their child says I want to use different pronouns or something and they're like what and so you can have six great teachers and it just takes one Jen to uh, mm-hmm. still to start to rock the boat oh absolutely the one of the best parts of Cherry Creek School District I would say the best part of school Cherry Creek is our amazing teachers and we have so many amazing teachers that love the kids that go to school they realize their job is not a job but that it's a calling and they treat it as such and they they love the kids and they want to do what's best and then we have that handful like you said um there's one teacher at infinity middle school that encourages children to take part she has a box of gender neutral clothing so if they come to school they can go ahead and change into her clothing and then before they go home, change back. So this is so that the parents don't know. This is like an outward expression of don't tell your parents. Um, you know, and I can, I can speak to a little bit about what you said before about how teachers feel about it, because as part of the Cherry Creek Parent Advocacy Network, we are having teachers, we just had one join yesterday, conservative teachers, or not even conservative teachers, just teachers, who want to teach and don't want this other stuff messing their curriculum. That's what I had a teacher tell me once when she, when I was discussing the Black Lives Matter curriculum. She says, we don't want to do this. We just want to teach. We want our kids to succeed. We want them to not be the statistics of a statistic of a child not reading in third grade. Um, and another thing I wanted to say about the uh, education being the greatest equalizer Um, You know, there's really strong data about if children are not succeeding by third grade, how their life becomes, and it's not good. So that's where our focus needs to be, yet we have all these, um, you know, like Jameson said, the coming out book. And we have, uh, and and Kim, like the preschool, we have, there's a preschool book at Black Forest Hills Elementary that was being handed out. It was the ABCs of, and I can't remember if it was sex or whatever, but it was like, um, preschool? For preschool? Preschool. Gosh. She is for transgender. Yeah, I can I can send you a copy of that book. I have uh, pictures of it. Um, but that was being distributed in preschool. So there's absolutely an agenda. This is inappropriate sexual things that do not, that kids just, they don't know how to make sense of it. It's just not appropriate. And, and most parents would, would agree that um, it's inappropriate. And a lot of teachers would agree, too. But like you said, it's just that handful. Um, and they're, you know, the union is pushing that agenda. And um, like Jameson said, a lot of the people that got the coming out handbook, some didn't know about it. Um, the the documentation that you can find on our website, um, cherrycreekparents.org, we have all of that documented. It, it went, the, the Black Lives Matter week curriculum was sent to the union representatives at the schools and then distributed there. So some schools did it, some schools did not. Um, I don't know of any school that did the actual curriculum where kids actually stood and pledged allegiance to Black Lives Matter. I pray that it didn't. 
but I, I don't think it happened. But I do know that teachers wore their Black Lives Matter T-shirts to school, which um, which is inappropriate. Wow. As a, yeah, as a person in a, in a place of authority, showing one side of the of of the story is indoctrination. Yes, yes, it is, and and um, teachers have always been respected and. Uh, well, I say that I actually have heard terrible stories about um, behavior in some of the classrooms. I don't know how this ever got to where it was when I'm going to date myself, Jameson. But when I was a kid, respect was shown in the classroom. There was no disruption in the classroom. Uh, it was not a one room schoolhouse. I just want to <laughs> let you all know that. But, but um, I, I can't quite understand what has changed so much. Jameson, and I guess a lot of it goes to the teachers' union, yes? I believe a lot of it goes to the teachers' union. Um, But I can tell you that one thing that we've observed in terms of student behavior, discipline, that sort of thing in the Woodland Park School District is there is a program called the Restorative Justice Program. And I'm I'm stepping a little outside of my wheelhouse here, so I'm going to keep it very brief because I don't want to misspeak. But uh, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, uh, first person story I got. My wife and I went to a local restaurant and we, we sat at the bar and uh, we were talking to the bartender. Bartender had her child in Woodland Park School District. I forget what grade he was in. I want to say eighth grade. And he had gotten in trouble for basically bantering and forth with one of his best friends and saying some things that were inappropriate, but something that's kind of typical for young boys to say back and forth to each other. So he got a ticket from the Woodland Park Police Department and had to go to teen court. And in teen court, he shows up, and uh, the jury at teen court is other teens that have gone through the teen court process in the, in the past and have gotten in trouble. Uh, again, slightly outside of my wheelhouse, but I've, I've heard that when, if you have two kids, one kid that's bullying another, part of their program of the restorative justice is they'll sit both kids down to talk about what happened. And, you know, when I was a child, I there was a period of time where I was definitely bullied, and there's definitely other times where, where I was the aggressor or the bully. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, in either case, I would have been absolutely terrified to be sitting at that table across from uh, the person that had bullied me uh, talking about my feelings. And it's just, I don't think these things that they're pursuing are, re- are resulting in, in good things. I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing some of the behavior we're seeing. You know, speaking of bullying, um, I, I, I was very uncomfortable as I started to see this, uh, parents would say, my child is being bullied. And to your point, Jameson, um, I think I probably was bully, but I probably also was a bully as well. It's, it's kids. You gotta, you gotta learn how to deal with each other and uh, making one a victim and one the aggressor uh, plays into now what we're seeing with this curriculum there. And, and so, I mean, I remember, um, you know, it used to be to, you'd say to a bully, knock it off. And, um, you know, that typically could be somewhat effective. And so I'm very concerned about this. And, and, uh, and it's interesting you would mention this teen court thing, because when I was on city council, there was this push towards teen court. And I, I felt uncomfortable with what it was, but I didn't understand these things are an agenda. This is much more organized than one thinks that it is. So you're talking about Black Lives Matter coming in with curriculum over on the local government side. Uh, there's um, 
many, many different meetings where speakers come in. It might be, for example, Douglas County, there was a breakfast once a month for all of the uh, electeds and the um, uh, city management. And that is where I first saw a presentation about all day a government-run preschool, and, and inherently knew at that point in time that that was a problem. So I appreciate your story on that. Uh, Jameson, what more do you want to share with our listeners on this podcast? Well, I'd, I'd like to expand on just a couple of things, and I believe I mentioned this during our radio interview, but going back to Jennifer's point about where the where the union money goes, and part of the reason why I find my tax dollars going to the, you know, to the NEA so offensive is that if you look in, in 2021, uh, the NEA had uh, gathered about $377 million worth of dues. Of that $377 million, $66 million went to political activities. $117 million went to contributions, gifts, and grants that were primarily political. And only $32 million was dedicated to representing union members. Uh, there was about $55 million also that went to benefits for union leaders. So if you look at all those numbers, 32 million out of the 377 million went to representing the union members. And most people that I talked to would tell you that the reason why they joined the union were that it's possible for a teacher to be accused of something by a student. It's possible for a teacher to, to find themselves in a difficult situation and need legal representation. You know, teachers are not, especially in Woodland Park, up until our conservative board gave them a massive raise this year, uh, they were making around $9,000 less on average than teachers in the rest of the state. So a lot of the teachers will tell you, it's like, well, the union's representing me and pushing for more fair pay. But then when you break down the numbers of what's happening nationally, they're really funneling money to to the party that is standing behind their leftist, leftist initiatives. And uh, so that's one thing I wanted to elaborate mm-hmm. on. And then the other thing that we had kind of touched on, Kim, was just the amount of transparency that the parents have, but it's not just parents, it's the community. On your radio show, you had played a clip from a kindergarten teacher that had bragged about teaching Black Lives Matter and uh, the January 6th insurrection to her kindergarten students. And she had bragged about that in two places. She had written a op-ed for the Colorado Sun, and then she had done a podcast. And it was the clip he played was out of the podcast. And when that happened, a member of our community that was concerned about it had written an email to the school administration and wanted more information, saying, why are my tax dollars going to teaching kindergarten ch- children Black Lives Matter? And I've got a whole email thread that's within the administration, uh, superintendents, uh, principals, basically trying to figure out how they were going to best deal with the uh, situation to the public, not looking into what happened, not looking into, you know, what, what they needed to look at in terms of what was appropriate to teach kindergartners. It was, how do we spin this to the public? Mm-hmm. I have a similar email when, when the 1619 project uh, came out and it, you have, I literally have an email where this is an assistant superintendent is talking about, what information they can give to the board, this is the previous board that was not conservative, what information they could give to the board so they could respond to the complainer. That's how, the re, that, that's how they referred to a member, a tax-paying member of our district that was concerned about some of the curriculum. So they don't, they don't want to be transparent. They don't want you to know what they're teaching. And uh, they want full control over it. And, and parents and the taxpayer would be damned. 
Well, I have, uh, I do have a friend that has been very concerned uh, about this. He started Task Force Freedom, uh, Kane, and we have him on a, a regular basis. And he's black, but he is so concerned about this critical race theory that has really mobilized him uh, to um, to really fight that, and, and then also this whole. Um, over-sexualizing our children, the transgender agenda. And uh, so he's been very, very concerned about that. I wanted to go back to something, Jameson. Uh, out of $377 million in dues that was collected uh, from teachers in 2021, you said only $32 million actually went to represent union members. You said $55 million was for benefits, for leadership, did you say? Did I catch that? That's correct. That's correct. And I don't, I, I'm not, I don't have the information in front of me to be able to delve further into that, mm-hmm. but that was, <laughs> that's where that chunk of money went. And then $117 million went to, um, again, probably a leftist agenda, promoting a leftist agenda, and then $66 million went to um, political races. Did, did I get that all correct? It was $117 million to contributions, gifts, and grants that were primarily political. And Got it. 66 million political activities. And, and I forget what the percentage is. And I'm, I, I've tried to be very careful through all of my activism to be fact based. Yes. Don't, I don't, you know. Yes. Uh, but so I don't remember the exact percentage, but it was over 90 percent. Um, and I want to say it was like 95 or 99 or 98. It was it was an overwhelming percentage that the NEA donated to the Democratic Party yeah. over the Republican. I mean, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah, I, I've looked that up over the years. Typically, you can find different uh, um, election years and big contributors at Open Secrets is a place that I've gone to and looked that up. But I was just wondering, I didn't hear the number that you had uh, for uh, student development, helping our students uh, uh, succeed. What, what number was that, uh, Jameson, <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I don't have, and I, I, uh, I, I didn't have in the resources I was pulling this information from. They didn't mention that. They so. did not mention that, huh? And then the other thing is, is that we have to find this so disturbing. And and many of the larger school districts have um, a PIOs, which are called public information officers. They are paid staff. Uh, to uh, interact with the public, to interact with the media uh, regarding uh, different stories out there. And I, I also find that disturbing as well, because as you mentioned, it's typically to how do we put the spin on this? And uh, so concerned about that. Jen, um, uh, what else do you want to make sure our listeners uh, know on this podcast? Oh, um Quite a few things. I mean, I, I would need probably two hours to, first of all, address how many times I've been in meetings with Cherry Creek School District at the teacher level, the principal level, the administrative level, where they've been more concerned about the spin and how it looks and how it sounds rather than what's actually going on. And, you know, I don't know the union's role in that, but I, but it's definitely something that the school, dis- the school system does that needs to be addressed. Um, going back to the restorative justice, restorative justice, um, I learned about it the first time reading Love and Logic, which is a really great way to discipline and teach kids about how to live with one another. Um, restorative justice is like, well, if you've gone to the bathroom and written on the wall, you need to go clean it off. Done. Check, check. Restorative justice. What they've now turned it in is this equitable thing where... Um, you know, you don't you don't treat kids the same. Um, you know, on our website at cherrycreekparents.org, we have news article out of after news article of how the sexual assault 
things have been taken care of in our district. And, and again, this doesn't really have anything to do with the union, but I will say as far as bullies are concerned, um, the teacher union is, is definitely the biggest bully. And that was evident in my campaign where um, they put out commercials, TV commercials for a school board race saying Jen Gibbons will cause deathly harm to your kids. And if you vote for Jen Gibbons, she will turn your schools into militia training grounds. And, you know, things that could be harming to me and my family, they paid, you know, these commercials, We you can very easily see where everything comes from on the Tracer uh, website, on the Secretary of State website, the Tracer. And um, you can look to see who donated what, what money went where. Um, and the union was definitely involved. This commercial that they made was produced in Washington, D.C. Wow. So it's just shocking that a commercial about a campaign in a school board in Cherry Creek School District would matter to Washington, D.C. So the union is is so strong, and they are so powerful, and that's what they care about more than anything. They are not for the kids. This school, the union, as we all know, is not for kids, and we've known that they've They've been involved with with um, with these campaigns to keep their school board members in so that they can maintain power. And the only way we can cut them off is at the source is if we can get teachers to stop paying their dues. There's there's many other alternatives. There's a good one in Colorado. It's PACE, the Professional Association of Colorado Education, at ColoradoTeachers.org, and that is a play. That is a that is a an organization that does represent teachers and you can pay them dues and they will represent you (laughs) where the teachers union you can pay them dues and they will support a candidate or they will support their they're called new business items and they take them to legislation and they take them to their um, school district and some of those items are pronouns and radical leftist language and um, you know, the union takes these MBIs and, and tries to actively push these things. It has nothing to do with teachers. And I would say in Colorado, about only half of those teachers would agree with, those, with that premise. So the, um, the union is not good for kids, not good for Colorado. Not good for communities, not good for parents either. And uh, yes, it's important that teachers understand that there is an alternative because it can happen. Good teachers can be falsely accused of something by a student. And I think that is one thing that I have heard from a number of teachers is why they have paid dues is because they've been assured that there would be representation. But Jameson, this uh, kindergarten teacher that uh, we played that clip on your July 18th broadcast, um, when she got into, uh, I guess, when it became transparent what she was doing, she did not get representation from the, the, the union, correct? Not that I saw. And again, Kim, just to try to be fact-based, I can only speak to the emails that I came across and what I saw. Got it. Okay. And what I saw after after her, after she published an op-ed in the newspaper, obviously people became aware. And she was essentially called into the, the principal's office. And uh, I want to say it was it was a member of, of the HR department and the principal that wanted to be with her. And you can kind of see these frantic back and forth emails between that teacher who was a union member and union leadership asking, hey, can someone be there for me? I'd, I'd like to have someone there. I don't really think it's that big of a deal, but you know, I, I'd like to have someone there. And 
as far as the email chain takes me and all the back and forth, it doesn't look like anybody anybody showed up and anybody mm-hmm. returned her phone okay. call. So, you know, it's based on based on a couple of the emails I came across. I don't see evidence of someone driving up from Colorado Springs to, to Woodland Park to to sit down in any of these situations where theoretically they would want representation. Mm-hmm. And again, that's one of the things that uh, um, has been a, a selling point to many um, teachers to join the teachers union. Uh, so, Jen, I, um, what else do you want to make sure that we cover on this particular podcast? Um, one other thing I would say uh, to people is, is um, if you wanted to learn more about how terrible the union is, there's a great book called Standing Up to Goliath by Rebecca Friedrichs. I read it uh, last weekend, and uh, she just tells her story about how she took a case to the Supreme Court for the California Union, how terrible they were. They were forcing union dues out of teachers' paychecks. Um, And I would encourage people to come to our website, and that's a really great place to get educated about what's happening in Cherry Creek um, and to encourage teachers and other parents to be educated, really know what the teachers' union does and really know that they don't have to be in the union. The union will call teachers who don't participate in the union freeloaders, excuse me, freeloaders because they're getting free representation when they collectively bargain on behalf of them. Um, but, you know, don't give in to the teacher bullying. When they go to Cherry Creek uh, New School Orientation, they show up and there's all the union with the fist that says educate and the red shirt and it's, it's, they're all friendly and nice, and it's, and it's you know, it's, it's very much, um, you know, you feel the peer pressure to join the union because everyone does it, and they have a really, a really strong turnout. But uh, if you know teachers and if you um, can, can tell them to reach out, um, there, there are other alternatives, and please don't give another cent to the union. Okay, uh, Jen, uh, Jen Gibbons, thank you so much. And we also, you did an essay for us as well, which is on my website. Uh, so greatly appreciate that as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And Jameson, uh, final thought, what, uh, what do you want, me, uh, want our listeners to know? I think that the most important thing for your listeners to, to know, and I would assume that the vast majority of your, your listeners are probably somewhat ideologically in line with, with the three of us, is that you can do something. Um, you know, a lot of people in our community have been somewhat apathetic uh, or have felt powerless to be able to participate. And, you know, my story kind of really shows you how someone who isn't super, hasn't been super involved in the past, like, like someone like Jennifer, hasn't been super informed in the past, can go during, down the journey of, of discovery, of exposing things that are going on and can help make those things public uh, whether it be writing you know, letters to the editor in your local newspaper or showing up at school board meetings and speaking. But we can all be involved and we can all make a difference. And you know, we have some very powerful forces that are, that are lined up against us, whether it be the union or just people that have that leftist ideology. Um, for example, I, we have, <laughs> I've got, uh, we follow the, the Facebook group of the people that are opposing uh, our, our conservative school board. And one of the, the main people behind the recall effort was openly advocating for drag shows in our schools. So there's a lot of people with all crazy ideas that are on the other side, but we can fight back and their ideas are not popular. We just need to make sure 
that, that what they're trying to do to our children, what they're trying to do to our government-run schools, are exposed, and everyone can participate. Well, I appreciate uh, both of you for the work that you're doing, and uh, if each of us does just our little part, uh, we will um, reclaim our country. We will, we'll reclaim great education for our kids. I mean, there's so much that we can do. Jen Gibbons, thank you so much for joining us on the Sounding Off with Kim Munson podcast. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for everything you do, too. Absolutely. And Jamison Dion, thank you again. Um, and you've got a great radio voice. Did anybody ever tell you that? <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I, uh, I do not have the uh, <laughs> I, I do not have the discipline that we do on the radio. I listened to our late radio, our last radio interview, and all I could walk away with is, "Oh my gosh, I say um a lot." But oh well, I, um, that happens. I, I certainly appreciate it, and I, I really appreciate. You know, it's been difficult to find members of the media that are willing to work with us to expose some of this information. And and the work that you're doing is absolutely incredible and extremely valuable. So I appreciate you. Well, Jameson, thank you so much. It's my honor. It's on my heart to do this because. I, I care so deeply about uh, what's happening in our country, and I care, care so much about what we're passing on to our children and our grandchildren. So it's great to be in this battle with both of you. So thanks so much, Jen. Thanks so much, Jameson. And my friends, God bless you, and God bless America.